Bible time, Wednesday morning, Yankton, South Dakota. Brother Michael Kimes bringing the message again. I hope you'll pay close attention. I'm glad you get a chance to listen online. May the Lord bless you with this message in Jesus' name. The, the topic that God gave me this morning, and it's, it's odd for a setting like this, but it's Bible, and anywhere in the Bible will help you. Amen. That's right. But what God gave me specifically this morning is the loneliness of Christ. And you say, well, why are we talking about loneliness? And we're, we're probably coupled together more than, than normal yeah. when we do this. Yeah. You know, you, you're almost on top of each other all the time. But loneliness is powerful. And there's, there's two types of loneliness. There's the loneliness of isolation of space. And for an example of this, if you had a sailor out in sea all by himself, he'd be lonely. He'd by himself. He's got nothing to look up to but the stars. He looks around the ocean and there's nobody out there. And you can consider that lonely. Yeah. There's been times when I've had to drive and I'm... 10 hours out and I'm all by myself in the car, you can consider that loneliness by space because I'm not around anybody. You know, there's loneliness in hiking. There's sometimes you go on a hike, you're all by yourself and you look around and there's nothing but the deer and, and whatever's around you, but you're not around anybody and so you can consider yourself lonely. At the end of each one of those, the, what I look forward to if I'm driving or if I'm all by myself is when I get home to my wife or my children, even as a kid, if I'd go on a hike by myself, you, you get, begin to look forward to getting home. Yeah. You begin to look forward to the faces that are going to greet you. Yeah. And that's not really the loneliness that I want to talk about tonight. There's another, or today, <laughs> this morning, there's another loneliness where you can be surrounded by people yeah. and still be lonely. You can be bumping into people and you can be in the midst of a huge crowd and still be lonely as can be. Yeah. Because nobody knows where you're at in your heart. You could be going through something that you can't talk to anybody about really. And one of the, God just brought this to mind, but one of the, the loneliness uh, I see specifically is with, with firemen is they'll be around people at the firehouse all day long. And they'll, they'll go home and, and they, they can't talk to anybody or don't talk to anybody about what they've seen or what's going on inside. And so they buckle it down. They don't talk to anybody about it. And, and nobody really wants to show up and say, oh, yeah, I, I, I saw this dead guy. And he, we did CPR for an hour and he, he died. And the family wailed. And nobody wants to hear that. Right. And if that's all you go around talking about, People are going to be like, okay, <laughs> I don't want to hear from that guy anymore. There's a loneliness that way. There's also a loneliness of maybe you're going through your, you have something with your job that you don't want to talk to anybody about. And so you, you get lonely with that. You get isolated with that, even though you're around people. Maybe you've gone through something really hard in your life that you try to tuck away and put, put behind a, it, would, it could be a death of a loved one. It could be a situation that you're in. And you don't want to deal with anybody about it. You don't want to talk to anybody about it. Maybe God's dealing with you on something. You can't talk to any, And, and you can be lonely <coughs> in your soul. 
It's an isolation almost of your spirit. Yeah. And that's a, that's a true thing. And the devil uses loneliness. God said, uh, just turn real quick actually, Genesis chapter 2. God knows loneliness. And God made man so that he wasn't alone. 2.18, and I'm glad for this verse. And the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be Wake, help me out this morning. It's not good that man should be alone. One more time with feeling. And it's not good for that man should be alone. I will make him a help me for him. God knows loneliness. He saw Adam was alone. He said it's not good for man to be alone. But there's a loneliness. God knows loneliness. The devil knows loneliness. And the devil knows if he can isolate you and get you all by yourself and just pound you over the head. Maybe it's a sin that you haven't brought to God that you're hiding from everybody and you know if you confess that sin or get that sin right that it's going to be embarrassing. And so you bear it and you bear it and you bear it and you allow it to isolate you and put you alone. Loneliness is powerful. I know this is an awkward, awkward conversation here. This is an awkward thing from the Scripture, but it's Bible. And this is what God gave me to preach. And so I'm going to preach it. And we're going to go through quite a bit of Scripture that God gave me on it. Because I'm like, God, you sure you want me to preach this? He said, preach it. And then he'd show me some more. I'd say, well, that's good. And then God would give me something else. And I, that's good. And then God would give me something else. And so we're going to go through that this morning. And, And loneliness is all through the Bible. And we're not talking about carnal people necessarily. We're not talking about carnal Christians that find themselves alone. You know where I'm going with uh, Genesis 28 here is Jacob. We're going to start in verse 1. And he gets the blessing after he stole it. Right? And, and here's what happened. Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and charged him and said unto him, Thou shalt not take a wife of the daughters of Canaan. On a separate note. Thou shalt not take of the gardens of Canaan. This is separate. I'm not going to get way into this, but don't make... Listen to me. Listen to me, young folks. Don't make marriage your mission field. Amen. Don't make marriage your mission field. That's right. That's, that's a gamble you do not want to take. Amen. And you will not find any scripture to support marrying a lost person. That's right. There's not an ounce of scripture in this Bible that I've seen, that ever says for a Christian to marry a lost person. You want a tragedy, you want to wreck your life, you marry a lost person. Yeah. You say, well, well, they're a good person and, and they'll get saved eventually. Maybe they will, maybe they won't. Right. But God consistently says, don't be unequally yoked. That's right. And it's a biblical principle all through the Bible not to be unequally yoked. And he's telling Jacob here, don't marry the daughters of Canaan. Unlike Samson, he listens and he goes. Arise and go to Pardanium, to the house of Bethuel, my, thy mother's father, and take thee a wife from thence of the daughters of Laban, thy mother's brother. And God Almighty bless thee and make thee fruitful and multiply thee that thou mayest be a multitude of people. Isaac had faith. He had faith that that before Jacob was even married, he's praying a blessing on him for his grandchildren, that he'd have a multitude. What faith is that? And to the, to the fathers and mothers, we ought to be praying for our children. 
That God will bless them. And that God would give them a marriage. And, and, and we ought to be praying for our children and our grandchildren. And have faith in God. And, and God put that on Isaac's heart here. And he's blessing him that way. Verse 4. And give thee a blessing of Abraham to thee and to thy seed with thee. That thou mayest inherit the land wherein thou art a stranger which God gave unto Abraham. And, Ab- and Isaac sent away Jacob. He sent him away. And he went to Pardernium unto Laban son of Bethuel, the Syrian, the brother of Rebekah, Jacob's and Esau's mother. <clears throat> Let's pray real quick. Lord God, <clears throat> I thank you for your words. I thank you that you talk to us, Lord. I thank you that you give us what we need when we need it, Lord God. And I pray, Lord, that you'd use this message, Lord. Despite me, Lord, despite my lack of ability to speak, despite my, uh, my shortcomings, Lord God, I pray, Lord, that you'd help us this morning, Lord, encourage us, use this message, Lord, to hide it in, in the hearts of your people, Lord God, that you'd help them, Lord. Help us right now, Lord. Help me to preach, Lord. Help me not to chase rabbits you don't want me chasing, Lord God. Help me to stay on focus with the message that you gave me, Lord God. And I pray, Lord, that you'd use it, Lord, to glorify, to bring glory to your name, Lord God. That your church would be strengthened, Lord God. Help us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So here's Jacob, and he's on his way. He's by himself. And he's traveling. Uh, Let's pick up here in verse 10. And Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran. And I've done a little bit of hiking. I like hiking. I like getting out there and just walking the trails. But you understand, they did a lot of walking back then. And I think it's, it's actually a good thing to get time alone where you're thinking. Yeah. Time alone with God, time alone by yourself where you're just thinking. You know, in this modern society, you don't barely see, especially this younger generation, without earphones in. And, and I fall into that category a lot of times. I put earphones in and I listen to sermons or I listen to gospel music. I'm not saying that's wrong. But what I am saying is time alone to where you're thinking is important. And the devil likes to get you so busy and so consumed yeah. with either I've got I've got to have music going, I've got to have something going, and you're not ever alone in your thoughts with God. Right. And that's where Jacob is here. And, and you'll see all through the Bible that God uses that time alone to deal with people. Yeah. And the devil wants to preoccupy you so fast that you've got to move to the next thing, got to move to the next thing, got to move to the next thing, that you're never alone with God. And it's important to have alone time with God. So here Jacob is, he's alone. Verse 11, and he lighted on a certain place and tarried there all night. Now I don't know what this certain place looked like, but he's tarrying there all night. Sounded like he might have had a hard time going to sleep because the sun was set and he took the stones of that place and put them down for his pillows and lay down in that place to sleep. I'd have to be pretty tired to use stones for a pillow. Yeah. But yet that's what Jacob's doing here. And he, he, takes, he finds these nice stones. And he says, I'm going to use these as a pillow. And I'm guessing he's, he's fairly exhausted. He's fairly worn out. He's all by himself out in this desert. He just stole a blessing from his brother. And now he's sent out to go get married. Yeah. At a place he's never gone. Yeah. For people he doesn't, doesn't quite know, he knows they're his people, but, 
But God just sent him out and gave him a blessing, and he's by himself. As a young man, he's got a lot to think about. Yeah. He's got a lot to think about, and he's by himself. Verse 12, he gets a dream. And he dreamed, and behold, a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God ascending and descending upon it. I want you to get this picture, because the Bible put it in here for a reason. It's not just words on a page. The Bible put every detail here so you can get it in your head. There's a ladder. It's going up towards heaven, and there's angels ascending. That means going up and descending, coming down. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, thy father, and, thy, uh, and the God of Isaac, and the land whereon thou liest, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed. God's standing up on top of this thing, and he's talking to him. Wait a second. Jacob was by himself. Yeah. Jacob is out in the middle of nowhere, sleeping on some stones. And look who's here. He's dealing with him about the land that he was on. You know, there's sometimes you think you're by yourself, and you're not by yourself. There's sometimes you don't think God's talking with you or dealing with you, and God does. And the land that he's on, he says he's going to give it to him. Verse 14, And thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth, and thou shalt spread abroad to the west and to the east, and to the north and to the south. And in thee and in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And behold, I am with thee, and will keep thee in all places whither thou goest, and will bring thee again into this land. For I will not leave thee, until I have done that which I have spoken of thee. What verse does that remind you of? I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Amen. See, people might leave you or forsake you. Yeah. But God will never leave you or forsake you. you have to, I want you to get this. I really want you to get this. Jacob is by himself. He's wandering. He's, he's traveling all by himself. He's exhausted. He falls asleep. He gets some rocks for his pillow. And God meets with him right where he's at and says, Hey, you know that blessing your father gave you? I'm going to honor it. Yeah. And this land that you're on, I'm going to give it to you. Yeah. And I'm going to bless your seed. And your seed is going to, it's going to bless everybody on this whole earth. Yeah. Amen. And he says, I'm with you. Amen. I'm with you. You know, this, the, Jesus Christ, if you're saved then Jesus Christ is inside of you. Amen. And it's a blessing to this earth. And you may think you're all by yourself. That's, that's a heavy thing that God told him. Yeah. You may think it's overwhelming. Look at, our country is a small portion of the globe. Yeah. It's a small portion. I think we're up to, what, 8 billion people on earth? And there's, what, 350 million or 400 million people in America? It's a very small spectrum. And we look at America and we go... I'm all alone. Yes, there's these three families. Yes, there's Liberty Faith Church out in Norwood. And there's, there's good Bible-believing churches scattered abroad in the land. But all in all, as a Christian, you can feel very isolated in our country and how our country is. Right. It's the reality of it. And if you, if you spend much time dwelling on what the media pushes out, what the, what's going on on the radio, when you walk around the cities, and the, you, it's, 
There's no Christians out there. There's no Bible believers out there. Nobody, does anybody even love God? Am I all by myself? Is this in vain? Right. And those questions will start going through your head. I'm alone. Yeah. I'm alone. We're alone. Yeah. Does anybody love God anymore? But God was with them. Yeah. And he said, hey, and, and then... I wonder how many times Jacob fell back on this as he's going through and he's seven years to work for this wife. Yeah. Which I think he missed it. I think that was the wife that God had for him was Leah. Yeah. And he worked another seven years, but God still held to his promises. And Jacob messed up time and time again. Even after he became Israel, he still messed up just like every man in this Bible. And that's one way we know the Bible is true. Because if man wrote the Bible, we'd, we'd cut a lot out of there. Right. <laughs> I don't want to... Just real quick, I'll follow this rabbit trail for a second. My mom used to take family videos. That camcorder reminds me of it. She had a, a much bigger one than that. And everything we did, she'd have on video. She'd, we had a birthday party, she had it on video. We'd be running around the house, she'd have it on video. Everything she had on video. And my dad, he, we were growing in our walk with God. So there were things that we were awfully embarrassed about, or at least my dad was. I didn't see the big deal. And he'd be like, let's get rid of that video. <laughs> let's cut that part out. Let's cut this part out. And, and actually, um, we ended up setting those videos, and my dad bought a bunch of those magnets to go on cars and stuff like that. And all those videos sat on those magnets. And one Christmas morning, I went to get the videos out. We'd watch the videos on Christmas morning to have the memories, and they were all gone. But... I say all that to say this, that if man had his way with the scripture, he'd cut this out and cut that and cut this out and cut that out. Yeah. But man doesn't have his way with the Bible. It's God's Bible. It's God's word. And he records everything in there for our edification. Yeah. It's God's word, not man's word. And that's proof of it. Yeah. Anyways, so Jacob messed a lot of things up. But God held to his promises here. God met with him. God met with him when he was all by himself here. He's sleeping out in the desert. And God comes down to him, sets up this ladder in his dream, stands up on top of the ladder and says, I'm going to hold to the blessing that your, that your father asked for, and I'm going to be with you, come what may. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. God doesn't change. That's right. And if you're saved, if you receive Christ as your Savior, and you're, that's your Father up there, He says, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. Yeah. And this world may be dark, it may be gone. You may set up the tent somewhere, or go out witnessing, door knocking. I know, Brother Joshua, you've been out door knocking all by yourself before. And, and you're, I'm all by myself. There's times where I'm at work, and there's nobody yeah. Nobody to say, hey, I love Jesus. There's nobody to say, hey, let's do what's right according to the Bible. Nobody. Yeah. And I'm all by myself. Yeah. I'm sure there's times, Brother Gabe, where you're by yourself working on something. And you're all by yourself. Yeah. And you go, I'm alone. Yeah. God, do you see my bills? God, do you see I haven't had time with my family? I don't know what your problem is. I don't know where you're at. I don't. Yeah. God knows exactly where you're at, and I believe He gave you this message for a reason. Amen. 
But Jacob's here by himself, but he wasn't by himself. That's what I want you to get a hold of right here. He was by himself, but he wasn't by himself. Verse 16, And Jacob awaked out of his sleep, and he said, Surely, look at, look at this, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. Amen. There's sometimes you don't know it, and you think you're by yourself. You think you're isolated. You think it's just me. I don't know where God is right now. Right. Jacob knew it not, but the Lord was in the place. Amen. When you think you're by yourself and you think you've got to handle everything all on your own, God is with you. Yeah. You've got a Father that loves you. Verse 17, I want you to get a hold of this. And he was afraid. And he was afraid. If you can get a hold of this and realize that God is with you, there's a fear. God watches you. God knows your thoughts when you're by yourself. You know, there was an old man that said, you know, you want to find out who you truly are. You go to a town all by yourself where nobody knows you and, and you don't know anybody there and see who you really are. Yeah. Your real character. And you find out who you are. Let me tell you something. If you're a saved child of God, you're not by yourself. Amen. You might not know it, you might think you're all by yourself. Jacob knew it not. But God was right there. And God sees your thoughts when you're by yourself. Amen. That's right. God sees where your eyes travel. God sees where your ears listen to. God sees what you enjoy and don't enjoy. And you think you're getting away with it. And you're not. And it scared Jacob. And it ought to scare you. Because a little a fear of the Lord, knowing what you're about and what you're doing... Will, will help you. <laughs> It'll save you out of a lot of trouble. And he was afraid and said, How dreadful is this place? Wait a second. <laughs> How dreadful is this place? There is none other but the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. And Jacob rose up early in the morning, and he took the stone that he had for his pillows, and set it up for a pillar, and poured oil on top of it. And he called the name of the place Bethel, but the name of that city was called Luz at the first. And Jacob vowed a vow. He did business with God. God, God got a hold of him. God was dealing with him. And he does business with God. And we miss out on that a lot of times. So when you're all by yourself and God's dealing with you, don't brush it off. If God's telling you, hey, I want this straightened in your life. Oh, that can't be God. I've got a job to do. I've got this I'm going on with. Listen, if God's dealing with you, do business with God no matter where you're at. If God, and this is what Jacob said, if God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go, and he will, and will give me bread to eat. You got a Bible, you got bread to eat, and raiment to put on. See, we want a lot more than that. Right. If we're honest with ourselves, I want a lot more than that. But he understood what God promised him. And he understood if God is with you, it's worth more than those cars out there. Yeah. It's worth more than my cows at home. Right. It's worth more than the AC. It's worth more than a vacation. It's worth more than anything to just be with God. And he gives you to eat. Amen. 
and He clothes us so that I come again to my Father's house in peace. Then shall the Lord be my God. And this stone which I have set for a pillar shall be God's house. And, uh, and of all that that thou give me, I will surely give the tenth unto thee. He did business with God. God got a hold of him. God dealt with him. And he said, you know what? I'm God's. And if God gives me what to eat and he clothes us in raiment. You know, God clothes us with his son's righteousness. He imputed the righteousness of Christ on you. He gave you a raiment that's whiter than snow. He gave us food to eat, all that we can eat. Yeah. You get in this book, and this, this is a living book. Amen. God knows where you're at when you get in this book, and he'll give you just what you need. You just got to come to God. He says, if any man asketh me wisdom, I give him liberally and abradeth not. Yeah. Amen. Liberally. God knows where you're at. Now, if you go to God's Word and say, God, you better answer some questions for me. I've got some questions for you, Lord. And, and you, this will be a closed book. But if you go to this book and say, God, meet me where I'm at. I need some help. God will open this book up and he'll give you. And he'll give you. And he'll give you. And you'll go, wow, God, that was good. And he'll keep giving it to you. Yeah. And he'll give you so much, you'll have to tell somebody about something. Amen. That's right. God's good. Jacob thought he was by himself. He wasn't by himself. God was with him, said he wouldn't forsake him. And he carried through with his blessing. I want you to get a hold of that today. And he arose and he left. Alright, let's go to 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings chapter 19. You probably know where I'm going. Elijah. Amen. I needed this this morning. God knows what we need when we need it. Amen. And I don't even, I don't understand it all. I really don't. I don't understand how God deals with us. I don't understand... The problem is our estimation of God with us and our personal relationship with God is, is way too low. We think when we talk to a person and we can, we can see him that, okay, Gabe gets me. But Gabe doesn't get and understand me like my father does. Amen. When you're talking to your father and you're reading the word of God and God's just making it come alive to you, you he has a better relationship and understands you better than anything. Amen. Any, any person could ever touch. Elijah, uh, we're going to talk with him. He, he just got done. He slew the, the prophets. He, he, he watched fire drop from heaven. I know you guys know all this, but I want to, to get fresh in your mind. And, and he took off. Elijah takes off here. Yeah. Jezebel's after him. Verse, uh, verse 1, chapter 19, 1 Kings. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and with all how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. And Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods, little g-gods, do to me, and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And he saw, and when he saw that he arose and went for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, and left his servants there. He had servants, Elijah did, and he left them. And God just got done doing an amazing work. Have you seen fire come down from heaven and consume something? No. It, it, Levi, they had, they had an offering. 
All right? They soaked it with water. And God sent fire out of heaven, consumed it, and he slew all the prophets of Balaam. Yeah. Slew them all. And he took off for his life and said, I'm out! Yeah. He said, oh, instead of having his eyes and mind on God here, he had his eyes and mind got off of God and onto Jezebel. Yeah. And I tell you what, God can meet with us in this tent, and God can save souls, God can convict hearts, and we can watch God move. And then the very next hour, or the very next day, we're door knocking, or, or we go back home, and we go, God, where are you at? Why am I here? Yeah. What's going on? Yeah. That's, that's mankind for us. Our flesh is weak. Right. Amen. Our flesh is weak. And sure, we, we put on like, oh yeah, we're strong, we're good. But we're all like this. Right. We're all like this. We all have times right here where we get our eyes off of God and onto Jezebel, onto our job, onto our cows, onto our finances, onto uh, I'm missing time with this relationship, on whatever it is. I don't know what it is. But I know that Elijah got his eyes off of God and on to Jezebel, and fear consumed him not from God, but from fear of Jezebel, and he took off and left his servants. So he had servants there to fellowship with, and he left them. Verse 4, But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, and came and sat down under a juniper tree, and requested for himself that he might die. Yeah. And said, It is enough now, O Lord. Take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. He got humble, at least. Yeah. And sometimes God wants us humble. And sometimes when you're all isolated, all by yourself, you realize how small you are. Yeah. I can remember times going down to the University of Florida. And God said to go preach. And I didn't know what I was doing. I've seen street preaching. And... I'm like, God, I don't know what to preach. I don't know what I can do. And there's wickedness all around me. And these people are going to hate me. Yeah. And, and I'd go, this can't be God. This can't be God. And I'd start reading the Bible. I'd go to, sometimes I'd go to Romans 1. Sometimes I'd go to Romans 6. I didn't know what to preach. So I just started, a man told me, just read the Bible if you don't know what to preach. Yeah. And so I'd just start reading the Bible. And sometimes people would yell at me and God would intervene and He'd give me boldness. Amen. He'd protect my eyes and my heart. Amen. And God, he, he didn't forsake me. He honored it. He blessed it. And sometimes I'd have a conversation with somebody for over an hour where God was dealing with them. Amen. There was one time I was discouraged as I could be. And I was trembling. Trembling. Shaking to where I couldn't barely read. And I'm reading. And this young man walked up and, and he's like, sir, can I, can I talk to you? And I said, sure. What do you want to talk about? He said, well, I've been sitting here listening. I didn't see him. There's people all around moving, moving, and you think you're all by yourself. You think that God has just left you, and you're out doing your own thing. And, and you're, I was trembling. And he comes up and he says, you know, I grew up in a, in a Bible-believing church, and I let to go to college, and I'm in a fraternity, and... I've got caught up in so much sin I don't know what to do. And God used that and we went through scripture after scripture after scripture. And the point being here is that when God deals with you, you're not by yourself. God is stronger than anything. And when you think you're all by yourself and you think I'm ready to die, I'm all by myself. 
And then God showed me Brother Junior. <laughs> yeah. And so I had a buddy to go preach with. Amen. God's good. But sometimes God will let you be all by yourself and let you think you're all by yourself. Just like Jacob thought he was all by himself. And he gets you down to where you're humble. And you go, God, I can't do this. I'm done. I'm done. And that's where Elijah is. He said, I can't do this. He said, take my life, for I'm not better than my father's. And I'm not better than my father's. That's right. My dad, you know, typically my father, he left everything he had. And his friends and his family all said, well, wait till the old dad comes back. That wasn't his dad, but he's dad to me. And the old man never come back. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. And some of those people that were waiting for him to turn, turned. Amen. But I guarantee you, he thought he was all by himself. Yeah. He thought he was all by himself. And there's some isolating times where you think you're all by yourself. And you go, I'm not better. And I'm not better. And God sees you're humble now. See, I don't know what was going through Elijah's mind or what was going on with Elijah when it, maybe he thought he was hot stuff after that happened. And God showed him real quick, you're not. Yeah. And you get to thinking you're somebody... Maybe you need to get alone with God and realize you're not better than anybody that's before you. The, the fact that we can come set up this tent is because we've had fathers in our country that stood for God. And they didn't care that they were broke, poor. Yeah. They didn't care that they had nothing on this life that anybody would ever brag about. And they preached the gospel in season, out of season. They preached and preached and preached. And that's why we have the freedom we have in this country. And now we're standing on their shoulders to have an opportunity to share the gospel. Amen. We're not better than our fathers. Sometimes you'll, God will use isolation when you think you're all by yourself to humble you. Verse 5, he, he falls asleep here. And he lay and slept under a juniper tree. And behold, then an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was a cake, bacon on the coals, and a, a cruise of water at his head. And he did eat and drink and laid him down again. You see a similarity to Jacob when he was alone? Yeah. And now Elijah, when he's alone, yeah. the first thing that God wants him to do and reminds him of is eat. Yeah. Eat. 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 Don't sit there and starve. Yeah. You've got a Bible. Amen. Don't listen to the devil's lies that this Bible will not help you. It's all you've got. That's There's no fellowship with somebody else. There's no fellowship I can have with you, Brother Joshua, that's going to replace eating from the Word of God. That's right. There's no sermons or messages that will, pray, will replace you eating from the Word of God. And when you're down and out, when you're all by yourself, or you think that you're all by yourself is the reality, you're not by yourself. But when you think you're all by yourself, get in the book. Amen. Get in the Word of God. Eat, eat, eat. And you'll see that theme through the Bible. That's what Elijah's doing here. He's having to eat and drink. We've got a, we've got a spring of living water. Amen. We've got all the food and nourishment we need right here in the Word of God. And that's what Elijah, he starts eating. And the angel of the Lord, verse 7, And the angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for thee. He's got places to go. God's not done with Elijah. God's not done with you. God wants to use you. Amen. 
Sometimes we got to get over having a pity party. Yeah. Sometimes we got to get over we're all by ourselves. Right. There's a time and a place to be all by yourself with God, and God pick you up. You read His words. God strengthen you, and He says you've got some more work to do. Amen. You've got to keep going. You've got to get some food in your belly, and then get out there and give it to somebody. Yeah. Amen. And Elijah had more work to do. And the journey is too great for the. Isn't that the truth? The journey is too great for us too. I don't know where all we're on our journey. I know our next stop is Dixon, Missouri, yep. which will be completely different than this trip. This trip's completely different than Lebanon. Yeah. Lebanon was completely different than Gainesville. And as we continue down the journey, I don't know what's ahead of us, but what I can guarantee you is that it's too great for us. Amen. The journey is too great, and we need God. And we need to spend time with God. We need to get into His words and spend time with God. Amen. And know that you're not isolated. Know that He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. And spend some time with God because the journey is too great for us. In verse 8, He arose and did eat and drink. And He went in the strength. Are you listening? And He went in the strength of that meat 40 days and 40 nights unto Herob, the mount of God. You know, God will give you something out of His words and you'll just keep eating on it. And keep eating on it. And keep eating on it. It's important to get in the Word of God because He'll give you verses. He'll give you Scripture that you'll, you'll, you'll be going down the journey and God will bring it to your memory. Yeah. You know, Pastor preached on the wells, on having the wells. I'll go around this way. But <laughs> Pastor preached on having the wells to, to drink of. And it's a, a similar line with this because Scripture goes together. It doesn't contradict itself. It, it just continues to lock. And sometimes you need to dig a well. Sometimes you need to get some food from the Word of God when you're all by yourself and hold on to it and hide it in your heart. So he rise, he eat and went and the strength of that meat for 40 days and 40 nights unto Horeb, the mount of God. And he came there into a cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said unto him, what dost thou here, Elijah? He's in a cave. He's all by himself. What are you doing here? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant. They've thrown down thine altars They've and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I, only left, and they seek my life to take it away. You get to a point where you're on the journey and you're looking around from town to town and you see bars everywhere. You see sodomite parades. You see all types and manner of wickedness posted everywhere. And you go, God, they've gotten rid of your churches. They don't want to listen. They don't want to hear anything out of the Word of God. I'm all by myself. And that's where Elijah is. And God said, what are you doing here? He says, I'm jealous for you, Lord. I just want to go home. Yeah. I just want to go home. I just want to go to heaven. Yeah. Why wasn't Elijah in heaven yet? Good job. He had a job to do. Maybe. You know why we're not in heaven yet? So we got a job to do. That's right. We got a job to do. God has given us a job. He's given us a commission Maybe. that cannot be done without Him. And thankfully, when your flesh is weak and you think you're all by yourself, you think you're all alone. 
And God feeds you. God's feeding Elijah here. He's taking care of him. And Elijah's still, I'm, I'm done. I want to go home. And there's some times where I just want to go home. Yeah. But we got a job to do. Verse 11, and he saith, go forth and stand. And stand. God wants us to stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by in a great and strong wind rent the mountains. You understand? He's standing on the mountain. And he watches these mountains being torn in half. I can't imagine. It's hard to picture that. A mountain, and this is flat country, but you guys have seen mountains, right? These mountains are vast. They're huge. We went to the Rockies not too long ago, and we're going up these mountains, and it takes sometimes several miles to get up these mountains. And he's watching a mountain be torn in two. I want you to get a hold of this. The Lord passed by, and he rent the mountains, and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. Now look at this. But the Lord was not in the wind. The Lord was not in the wind. He's looking for God in this huge movement. This huge... I mean, you talk about a mountain being rent into two. And he's like, and that wasn't God. God's showing him that. You know, sometimes we're looking for God to do something huge. Something big. Something miraculous to get a hold of us. To encourage us. Yeah. And that ain't what we ought to be looking for. God wasn't in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. The whole ground shaking. You know, an earthquake can turn California up on its head. Yeah. Earthquakes have, have killed whole cities and towns when the water lines bust up and houses fall down. And there's an earthquake. The ground is shaking. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. Sometimes we want God to just shake the ground and move in such a mighty way that we go, Oh, that's the Lord. Right. God, do something big. Yes. If you do something big, then I'll know. Then I'll listen. Right. But God wasn't in that. And He's showing Elijah something. And He'll show you something if you get a hold of this. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. A huge fire. And after the fire, listen to this, a still small voice. You know, sometimes we're wanting God to move in such a big way to just say, Hey, wake up! I'm moving in a big way! I need you! And God just wants you to be quiet and listen and hear the still, small voice. Sometimes you need the still, small voice of God. Sometimes you just need to get quiet. You need to get humble. You need to get alone with God and His words. Sometimes as you're out door knocking or out on the job, be quiet and listen for the still small voice. It's not in the earthquake sometimes. It's not in the fire. It's not in, it's not in the, the mountains being rent into two. It was the, the still small voice. And when it was so, when Elijah heard it, you know, sometimes you're too busy to hear the still small voice. And that's where the devil wants you. The devil wants you so preoccupied and looking for such a big movement of God that when God's whispering to you, you don't hear it because you've, you've got your earphones in. Right. You've, got, you've got the job on your head. You've got, you've got the next place you're going to go to. You've got the next fun thing you're going to go do. Yeah. I've got to go do this. I've got to go do that. And then you don't have time to hear the still small voice. And what a shame that is. Yeah. American culture right now is so bad for this. Right. In Christianity, we get caught up right in that mix. 
we've got the next thing that we're, we're going to. Got to move. Got to move. Got to move. And I'm telling you, God wants, sometimes he speaks to you in a still, small voice. And if you don't, if you don't shut your mouth, open your heart, open your mind to God, you won't get that. You won't hear it. We need to make time and not look for God to necessarily move in an earthquake or renting the mountains in half. But listen for the still, small voice of how God works. And it was so when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entering of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, What dost thou hear, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altar, slain thy prophets with the sword, and I, even I, only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. He's talking with God here. He's, he's pouring his heart out to God. And that's okay. Pour your heart out to God. But listen to the still, small voice for God to encourage you, for God to lift you up. Verse 15, And the Lord said unto him, Go, return thy way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when thou comest, anoint Hazel to be king over Syria. And Jehu, the son of Nimesha, shalt thou anoint to be king over Israel. And Elijah, the son of Shaphat, of Abel-Meholah, shalt thou anoint to be prophet in thy room. And it shall come to pass... That him that escapeth the sword of Hazel shall Jehu slay. And him that escapeth the sword of Jehu shall Elijah slay. Elisha slay. Yet I have left me seven thousand in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which, shall, which hath not kissed him. He wasn't by himself. He wasn't the only one. And you're not the only Christian left standing. God is good, and God picked him up and and said, All right, here's your job, go do it. You done having a pity party? Because I've I've got work for you to do. And he talks to me, whispers in his ear. He didn't come down and whack, whack, whack. God knows where you're at, God knows you're hurting. Elijah's not just making stuff up here. Elijah's not just... Uh, well, everything Elijah said here was true. Yeah. Except for the part that he was the only one. Right. That he made up for himself. But it's true that the children of Israel had forsaken the covenant. It's true that they had thrown down the altars. It's true that they would slain the prophets with the sword. It's true that we have a media that lies nonstop. It's true that we have Facebook that puts out garbage all the time and tries to control any type of... of, of of true preaching, of the Word of God. That, that, I mean, Pastor Reg has been blocked several times already for preaching. It's true that, that as you go down the streets, that you'll see bars on every corner. Yeah. You'll see churches that have, are gone that used to be vibrant churches. Yeah. It's true that, that if you do preach the Bible, there will be people that get up and leave or will never show up. All of that is true. God doesn't deny any of that. The only thing he corrected him on is said, Hey, you're not the only one left. I've left a remnant of 7,000. Amen. And Elijah missed them all. Amen. That's right. And you know the thing? We're not the only ones setting up a tent and preaching the gospel. Praise the Lord. Amen. Sometimes it feels that way. Yeah. But we're not. 
Liberty Faith ain't the only Bible-believing church in America. Sometimes it feels that way. Yeah. But you know something? God was dealing with Elijah. And he said, hey, all those things right there, you've got a job to do. Don't, don't, don't focus on them all. Get your focus off of how bad it is and just do your job. Yeah, amen. Just listen to God and obey God and carry the message out. So he departed thence, verse 19, found Elijah, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen before him. And he went with the twelfth, and Elijah passed by him and cast his mantle upon him. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Let me, I pray thee, kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow thee. And he said unto him, Go back again, for what have I done to thee? <laughs> he said, Go back if you want to go back. And he returned back from him and took the yoke of oxen and slew them. <laughs> and boiled their flesh with the instruments of the oxen and gave unto the people, and they did eat. And then he arose and went after Elijah and ministered unto him. God sent him somebody, didn't he? Yeah. God sent him somebody. God will send you somebody sometimes. He'll allow you to be by yourself. And that, I, I didn't even put that application until I started preaching, but I was, I'd buy myself street preaching for a while. And then God sent somebody. Amen. And sometimes God will have you all by yourself in a little group, all by yourself. Yeah. And you say, God, where are you at? And God will give you what you need. You know, when we first went down to Florida, I thought I was going by myself. Yeah. <laughs> and look, God, God, God gave a team. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Amen. God is good. God knows where you're at. Pour, I don't want you to think that you shouldn't pour your heart out to God, because you should. Yeah. Pour your heart out to God. God doesn't reprimand him. He doesn't rebuke him. He doesn't say, hey, look, Elijah, stop. He says, you got a job to go do. He said, I'm with you. And he, he said, listen to this. He, taught, he was teaching Elijah a lesson. That, hey, God doesn't have to tear the mountains in half. God doesn't have to send an earthquake. God doesn't have to, to send a huge fire to consume a city. God will speak to you in a still, small voice. Listen for the still, small voice, and God will be with you. Yeah. There's another place I want to look at. Turn in your Bible to Daniel. Daniel chapter 3. You guys know this story as well. And I, I forget exactly how many Israelites were there. I know the, the math has been done. I, I remember somehow it was like 5,000, I want to say, Israelites were taken into captivity. Does that sound right to you? Um, the math that was done from what you can do the math when Israel left and was taken into captivity how many there were there was a lot of Israelites we'll leave it at that a lot and Nebuchadnezzar stands up you guys know this and he says everybody's going to bow the knee everybody's going to worship the God of Nebuchadnezzar and if you don't do it we're going to kill you and I want you to look at we'll start in verse 11 and whoso falleth not down and worshipeth it, worshipeth, that he should not that he should be cast into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom thou hast set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not regarded thee. They serve not thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. And they weren't abashed about it. 
They stood and they watched everybody they thought was with them, all their Israelites, all their brethren. They watched them all bow. And they're standing there all by themselves. And they're like, what is going on? But I don't care about all them. I've got to give account of myself to God. Amen. That's right. I've got to give account of myself to God no matter what you do, Gabe. No matter what you do, Brother Joshua. And you're going to have to give an account of yourself to God no matter who's standing or bowing. That's right. You're going to answer to God of how God gave you a job to do. God told you what's right. God told you what's wrong. And you're going to give an account of yourself to God of whether you stood for it or whether you bowed for it. And they knew that and they held on to it and they weren't abashed about it. They stood when all of Israel bowed. They stood when they were threatened against. They stood when their lives were on the line. Yeah, amen. Verse 13, then Nebuchadnezzar, in his rage and fury, fury, sorry, commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, Is it true? He couldn't even believe it. Nobody stands for God. Yeah. Nobody stands for God when I, Nebuchadnezzar, tell you to bow. Right. When America says, Hey, you, this is old. Right. This is hate speech, and you need to change. You need a, a modern version. You need, you need something else. You need contemporary. Nothing. This Bible ain't going to work no more. Are you going to stand? Are you going to bow? And Nebuchadnezzar says, Is it true? Do, ye, do not ye serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? Are you watch, you're not watching the daily news? You're not clinging on to every every radio talk show host? Yeah. You know, America used to be, if you follow the history of the radio when it came out, it was full. There was a lot of preachers on the radio. People listened to preachers all the time. Yeah. There was there was the the um, I'm forgetting the name of it. Um, the gospel hour. Yeah. was huge. All across the land, people tuned into the Gospel Hour, tuned into the Gospel Hour, and then the Tent Revivals, and the Gospel Hour, and, and then you had, and I forget all their names, because way before my time, but a lot of preachers on the radio. Yeah. Then you had Rush Limbaugh come out. Yeah. Jesuit Catholic. Oh, he talked to conservative politics, though. Right. And, and he, fairly conservative fella. Yeah. Leading people straight to hell. Right. With its Catholicism. That's what he did. He's a Catholic. Straight through and through Catholic. And he, and he, he, he smoked his cigars. And he drank his liquor. But he, he was a conservative. And Christians started listening to conservative politics. Conservative politics. And eventually Christian radio was blown out. Right. No longer did people listen to Bible preaching. They listened to conservative radio talk show hosts. Right. And that's still going on today. Right. That's, that's going on right now. In fact, you can't find barely any Bible preachers on the radio. It's a very rare thing. And if you do find them, it's because the church is putting out that ministry and supporting it out of the church. But there's not enough audience to listen to it to support itself. Right. There used to be that people would pay for advertisement on Christian Bible preaching channels because that's what people listen to. Right. I'm saying all this to say that who's your God? Are you, are you bowing your knee to... The world, the TV, your phone. Right. Yeah. You know, there, there's a decision you got to make if you're going to spend time on your phone or time with God. 
And when you spend time on your phone and you're, you're going through video, whatever, whatever junk, and there's a lot of junk on the phone, and you're not spending time in your Bible, what you're doing is you're spending time at the altar of the world. That's right. And God sees it. That's right. And you're not taking the stand that you need to be taken for God. Amen. It's a different context, but it's the same thing. Yeah. It's the same thing in our dress. We have an opportunity to, to dress the way God tells us to or the way the world tells us to. Yeah. It's the same thing in how we talk. Yeah. The jokes that we tell or listen to. Are you going to bow to the world's humor and go along with it and act like it's okay? Right. Or are you going to take a stand for God? Yeah. This is still applicable to us today. Yeah. I hope you're making the application. Verse 15. Now if ye be ready, that at what time ye hear the sound of the cornet, he's going to give him another chance. And the devil will give you another chance. Yeah. So say you stood one time where you're supposed to stand. Right. The devil doesn't say, okay, we're going to, we're going to take him off the list. Right. We're, we're, done, we're done attacking Brother Burks. We're done attacking Brother Coop. We're, we're done. The devil doesn't give up like that. Right. He says, all right, you, you passed that wave, but I don't think it's true, so we're going to send you another battle. Right. And that's what Nebuchadnezzar does here. He says, all right, I'm willing to turn a blind eye to the fact that you stood before, but I'm going to give you another chance to bow your knee at the God of this world. Yeah. And that's how it is in your Christian walk. You're going to have an opportunity to bow your knee at the God of this world. Yeah. Or you're going to have an opportunity to stand for God. Which one's it going to be? And just because you, we come and do a tent revival doesn't make us obsolete from this. If anything, it puts you more, uh, you're on the battle. Amen. That's right. And the devil's he's going to tempt you, he's going to try you, he's going to say, hey, here's a perfect opportunity for you to bow your knee. Yeah. Anyways, so here we are with another opportunity. And he says, if you're ready, when you hear the harp, the sack, the sackbut, the palstry, the dulcimer, and all the kinds of music, ye fall down and worship the image which I have made. Well, but if, it, but if ye worship not, ye shall be cast into the, the same hour into the midst of a burning fiery furnace, who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands. Yeah. If you don't go away, if you don't go according to the course of the world, you're going to be isolated. And where's your God? And if you're alone in your mind, if you don't think God is with you in your mind, that those are heavy words. If Meshach, Reshach, and Abednego, they're going, I'm all by myself. Israel's done, and you, you it's weighing on their heart. Is God with me? Right. I, 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 God is with me, but. Maybe you're going to let me burn. And you can see that's exactly what they thought. They thought maybe God will just let us burn up. And maybe God would. But what I want to get, when you're all by yourself and you think you're all alone, and the devil says, where's your God at? Where's he at? I'm going to tempt you. I'm going to throw this at you. I'm going to throw this at you. And where's your God? There's nobody around. Where's your God? Yeah. God was there. Verse 16. Shedrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If so be, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thy hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods. 
And there's a lot there. Nor worship in the golden image which thou hast set up. He said, either any way that God, God decides to deal this out, whether we die, we're not going to worship you, we're not going to worship your gods. All of Israel, and I think it was somewhere around 5,000 in captivity there, bowed their knee. And they said, we're not bowing, we're going to stand. Yeah. And my question is, if our church were to blow up, right. and that happens, that happens to Christians all over the place. I don't know Yankton personally, but there probably was a Bible-believing church here at some point. There's Bible-believing churches all across this land that aren't there now. And you go, why and how aren't they there? Yeah. And my question to you is, if all that blows up, are you going to stand with God? Are you going to stand for what God put on your heart? Are you going to stand or are you going to go along with the course of the world? And they stood. Praise the Lord. They stood. They stood and they said, we're not going to bow. If everybody bows, if everybody gives up their standards, if I'm the only one standing for what God said was right... Are you still going to stand when you're all by yourself? Then Nebuchadnezzar, full of fury, in the form of his visage, was charged against Shedrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Go, therefore, he spake, and commanded that they should heat the the furnace one seven times more than it was than it was won't to be heated. So it's it's hot enough to melt anything they put in there. He said, "Turn it up seven more times. Yeah. We're gonna burn them good." And he commanded the most mighty men that were in his army, the most mighty men in the army. He said, "I'm gonna take my best guys. Make sure this is done right. And the devil will send his best against you. Yeah, that's right. And the devil will turn up the heat hotter than than anything you think can stand. Yeah. And that's what he's doing here." And he commanded the Most Mighty in his army to bind Shedrach, Meshach, and Abednego to cast them into the burning fiery furnace. And these men were bound in their coats, their hosen, and their hats, and their other garments, and were cast into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's commandment was urgent, the furnace exceeding hot, the flame of the fire slew those men. He lost his best men right there because of his tenter tantrum. Slew, slew those men that took up Shedrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego fell down, bound in the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Then Nebuchadnezzar, the king, was astonished. He rose and rose up in the haste and spake and said unto his counselors, Did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said unto the king, True, O king. He answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God." And that's important too. The modern versions all take that out. That's right. They change it to the son of the gods. Right. And Nebuchadnezzar recognized that Jesus Christ was the son of God and was protecting them while they were in the furnace. Yeah. And Meshach, Reshach, and Abednego, I want you to get this, thought they were on their own. Yeah. They knew they were serving God. But on this life, they thought, okay, here we go. We're going to perish. Yeah. And God might allow you to die. I'm not saying that there's many martyrs that died at the stake. Yeah. And you know something, though? You read those martyr stories, and more times than not, they were praising God while they were burning at the stake. That's right. More times than not. And I'm sure the pain was real. I'm not making light of their pain. I'm not making light of the martyrdom. I'm not making light of the mothers who stood there and watched their children eaten by pigs. That happened. 
God will allow us to go through trials. And don't get me wrong here. I'm not saying that you won't go through real trials. I'm not saying that God will make the trials go away. What I'm saying is when you're all by yourself, you're not by yourself. You've got God. And no matter what part of the trial you're going through, you've got God. No matter how isolated you think you might be, nobody understands what I'm going through. Nobody understands my trial. Nobody understands my burden. I can't talk to nobody about it. You've got God. You've got God to bring your trials to. And I'm saying just quiet yourself. Listen to God. Get in His Word and listen to the small voice, the still small voice that will get you through the trials and temptation to where you can stand, having done all to stand. We need to stand. When you think all, you're all by yourself, you're not by yourself. You're with God. That's right. We have the best Father. Amen. Turn just a couple pages over to Daniel 6. We see it again. We'll pick up in verse 10. Daniel here. He's all by himself. <laughs> he, he's praying. And he prays before everybody. To bring glory and honor to God. Yeah. And they find a way. You guys know the story. They catch him. Yeah. It breaks the king's heart, but he's got to go to the lion's den. Yeah. And Daniel, he's all by himself, physically on this earth. He's by himself. He's isolated. Right. Now I want you to get a hold of this because it's important because there's times in your life where you will think you're all by yourself yeah. and that nobody cares, that nobody loves you, And maybe on this earth, you are by yourself, physically. But you're not by yourself if your Father is God Almighty. I want you to get a hold of that this morning. Verse 10, chapter 6. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house, and his windows being opened, he took a stand, being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. Yeah. Amen. Praise the Lord for that. He said, the king can say what the king wants to say. I'm going to worship God. I'm going to stand with God. If the government says, hey, you can't set up a tent anymore. You can't preach the gospel anymore. It's hate speech. Yeah. Are you going to stand? Yeah. Amen. If you share this gospel and you go knock on another door, we're going to arrest you and you're going to be in prison for the rest of your life. That, that's most of the world. That's most of the world that we live in. Right. You go door to door one more time, Brother Gabe, and you're going to lock you up. Are you going to come up with an excuse to say, you know what, I'm out? And this makes me tremble. Yeah. It, it does. I get goosebumps thinking about that because it's a reality. And they told Daniel, hey, look, you pray one more time out in front of everybody and you're done. Yeah. You're done. We're going to kill you. Yeah. And he said, open the windows, I'm praying. Because I fear God, I don't fear man. And we're getting to a point right now in our country where our government says, you know what? If our government turn, it won't take much for the government to flip and say, you know what? You say one more word about sodomy. You preach against sodomy one more time and we're going to arrest you and we're going to put you in prison. States away from your family, you won't see your children, you won't see your wife again. Yeah. Say it. Say it one more time. Preach the Bible against sodomy one more time and you're done. Yeah. We're close. We're this close in our country from that happening. Yeah. 
And you'll think, I'm all by myself. Because you're going to watch, at that point, a lot of pastors, a lot of preachers that you thought were going to stand, won't stand. It's already happening. It's happening. You're right. All across our land, it's already happening. You're seeing the sodomite flag. On churches. On churches. Yes, sir. All across our country. And so when that line crosses, are you going to stand? Amen. And what I want you to get hold of is you're not by yourself even though you might be by yourself. Yeah. Amen. You're not by yourself. Daniel knew that. Amen. Daniel grabbed a hold of that and he said, I'm going to serve God. I'm going to worship God. I'm going to pray to God. I don't care what the government says about it. I don't care what the king says about it. The king isn't your authority. The president's not your authority. God Almighty is your authority. Amen. And Daniel stood and he prayed to God as he did aforetime. As the churches begin to fold and they preach the, the, the liberal doctrine gets all through the churches. Yeah. We're watching it happen to Mennonite circles. We're watching it happen to Southern Baptist circles. We're watching it across the board. Yeah. Are you going to stand if you're the last one all by yourself? And here we are. Let's go down to verse 18. They throw Daniel in the lion's den. And then the king went to, went to his palace and passed the night fasting. You know, sometimes it's even out of the hands of the king. Yeah. Neither were instruments of music brought before him, and his sleep went from him. And the king rose very early in the morning and went in haste unto the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried with a lamentable voice unto Daniel. And the king spake and said to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God whom thou servest continually, that was his reputation, able to deliver thee from the lions? What a reputation. He served God to where the expectation is he serves God continually. Then said Daniel unto the king, O king, live forever. My God hath sent his angels and shut the, the lion's mouth that they have not hurt me. For as much as before him innocency was found in me. And also before thee, O king, have I done no hurt. God protected him in the lion's den when he was... You, you think about it. It'll be a long night. <laughs> That'd be a long night. You drop down in the lion's den at first. You see them big old lions starving, ready to eat. Yeah. And they don't touch you? Yeah. Oh, boy. <coughs> uh, if it was me, I'd be, oh, boy. And then, you know, a couple hours pass, and I get a little... The lions still ain't touched me. Maybe they're going to turn now. Maybe they're going to turn now. God protected him in the lion's den. God will protect you no matter where you're at in a prison. God will protect us. God was with him. I hope you get a hold of that. One last place here to run. Go to John 16. You talk about loneliness. God knows loneliness. God knows where you're at. John 16. Go to chapter or the verse 31. Jesus answered them, "Do ye now believe? Behold, the hour cometh, yea, is now come, that ye shall be scattered, every man to his own, and shall leave me alone." Amen. 
And yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. You know, Jesus was surrounded by his disciples all the time. He had disciples with him. He'd take a break from them sometimes. I'm not saying that. But he had men around him that loved him. And he'd preach and they wouldn't get it. Right. So he was isolated all through his ministry. Right. He'd preach and he, they'd say, why do you speak in parables? Yeah. And he's, it's plain as day. Yeah. And they didn't get it. And Jesus knew what was around the corner. He knew what was coming. And he said, look, he knew that everybody was going to leave him. Yeah, that's right. Men that, uh, Peter loved him. John, whom, whom he's like, he, the loved disciple yeah. left him, wasn't there. He said, these things I have spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you should have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. You're going to have tribulation in the world. Amen. He said, verse 32, The hour cometh, yea, is now come, that ye shall be scattered, every man to his own. Yeah. Every man went to his own. He said, you know what? I'm not going down with Jesus. Right. He's not even answering like I would answer. Yeah. They're questioning him, and he's not even sticking up for himself. Right. And that's the Messiah? Right. And they, they said, okay, I'll stay quiet. Peter even denied him. Right. Yeah. Jesus knew loneliness. Amen. His heart was breaking. He knows loneliness. He knows how it is to be all by yourself. Everybody left him. His disciples have said, I'll be with you to the end left. And he knew it was coming. And he said, yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. Amen. That's our example. Amen. And when everybody leaves you and when everybody says, I'm done, I'm out. That's too extreme for me. Yeah. That's too high of a standard. Why, why, can you just bend on the Bible a little bit? Is the ESV an alright translation? There's good people that believe the ESV. Are you going to bend? Are you going to stand with God? Amen. And you might be the only one. He said, everybody could leave, but my Father's with me. Yeah. That's what Jesus said here. And praise the Lord. That's the God that I serve. That's my Father. It's Jesus Christ. And if everybody scatters abroad and they go home to their own, yeah. are you going to stand with God? Amen. God's overcome all the tribulations that you're going to... And, and that's not to say you won't go through tribulations. In fact, it's the opposite. He said, you will have tribulation. He said, be of good cheer. I've already overcome the world. Amen. He's already overcome it. And He's with you. Jesus knew that the Father was with Him. You know something? There, there's a... I went on a, uh, I've done two different races. Preparing for a race is important. Yeah. I'll say that much. It, I haven't run in a long time. Yeah. And I, I, I used to go running a lot. 
and and it would be it wouldn't be a big deal to run eight or ten miles it would be kind of a low mileage I was trying to do a marathon was the idea so I'd go run for 12 whatever and it would take a lot of practice a lot of time that you'd spend running and running and running and running to where you build up to that point yeah but it there was a time where I was asked to do a race and I hadn't I, I hadn't run in a long time and and I said, yeah, I'd, I'd do the race with you. I'd be the anchor man. And it was seven miles at the end of this race, which wouldn't have been a big deal, but I hadn't run in a couple years uh, consistently of any, any sort. And, uh, and I thought I was out of it. They hadn't, I hadn't signed up for it, and I thought I just skipped right on out of it. Nobody really brought it up. And it was the next day was the day of the race. And so I thought they probably found somebody else. And the guy that was heading the whole thing up, he comes up to me, Michael, you're in this race, right? Well, I haven't signed up yet. Well, that's all right. I'll sign you up. You'll be there tomorrow morning, right? Oh, okay, I'll be there tomorrow morning. And so I came. And I had seven miles to do on this race. And I'm telling you, I was dragging like I've never dragged before. It was, I'm watching these big fat guys pass me up. And, I'm like, and I, I say that to say this. We've got a race to run according to the Bible. We've got a race. Amen. We've got a race to run. And it's so important that you get in the Bible, that you get in the Word, that you study, that you absorb it, you hide the Word of God in your heart. Because you've got a race to run. That's right. You've got a race. And I want to finish well. Amen. Lord willing, we're mid, maybe mid-race. Yeah. Maybe early race. <laughs> and this message right here, if you get a hold of this, it'll help you because there's going to be times in the race where you're all by yourself and all that you're going to have is God, which is more than enough. But you can't count on the church to be there for you. You can't count on your brothers or sisters being there for you. You can't even count on your family. That's right. All you can count on is God. So don't put your anchor and your faith in man. Put your anchor and your faith in God and exercise your mind in God's Word. Eat upon God's Word. Yeah. So that way when you are by yourself, or you think you're by yourself, you quiet yourself down, and you listen for that still small voice, and you eat from the Word of God, and you drink from the Word of God, and God picks you up and says, keep going. When you think you're all by yourself. Come what may. Whatever the government throws at you. Whatever your friends throw at you. Whatever your co-workers throw at you. God is with you.